Welcome back to another hour of Sky Shower. I am Noah. And I am Jesse. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. Hopefully you had a wonderful week. Um, I do apologize for the last two weeks of not having any episodes up. So um, I did have some technical difficulties with my laptop. Uh, Dell did come out and fix my motherboard and some other drivers and stuff like that. So uh, I think we should be in the clear going forward. Um, at least I hope so. Fingers crossed. Uh, in any case... This week, we do have the Oban 14 for you, and I cannot wait. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I do like Oban. Uh, for, for those of you who watched us for a while, Oban is probably my favorite distillery, and uh, I really can't wait to dive into the 14, and I'm actually really surprised we haven't tried it yet. But uh, there we go, and now we are. Sometimes you save the best for last. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then from there, we're going to have our shout-outs and get-it-togethers, uh, restaurant review, which is the Colorado-style Bojo's Pizza. And then our Smarter Challenge being uh, the movie review of Gattaca and talking about some of the moral, moral and ethical sides of, uh, of uh, gene splicing that went along there. So we've got the Western Highlands Obin 14. Um, you know, with the Obin Distillery, we're talking about a distillery that's been around for quite a while. It was John and Hugh Stevenson who traveled to what is known uh, as the Gateway to the Isles, where they started this distillery in 1794. Um, great distillery. It's very small. They only work with the two small stills to this day. They definitely believe in quality over quantity, um, which is why they have seven... Uh, peoples seven individuals who have different roles at the distillery and they are pretty much the only ones who are involved they make the decisions they are the tasters uh the distillers the blenders and they have not let us down once yet not yet and they've been around for two centuries uh oban has uh they are also only about 209 steps away from the sea they are at the sea level and um, if you do want to book a tour there, you can. It is uh, 22 uh, British pounds uh, to book a tour. But they're only open uh, like something like 40-some-odd uh, weeks out of the year. And then they do have uh, what's called a silent period where they're shut down for three weeks. Really, it seems a lot like a teacher's gig, right? <laughs> <laughs> it kind of does. You get a salary for a year. You get a lot of uh, free scotch. And then you get 12 weeks out of the year off. <laughs> one of the things that they do know is that when they age or they ferment, I shouldn't say age, when they ferment their barley, they do it for five days. That's something they believe in uh, to give it that great barley flavor and also a very natural flavor. I think that's great. And I, I love their packaging. Yeah, they do a nice job. Especially with the 14. It has like a nice really kind of like mature look. Yes. Looks classy, looks expensive, not cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I can only tell you I probably won't share this too often with many people. <laughs> I'm not going to take it to, to a cigar night or a cigar or poker night. I, I would share with another connoisseur, though. It is a pretty sexy bottle. I got to say, like, this is the kind of bottle, not everyone likes to dress up, but this is the kind of bottle I want to wear a tux uh, when I'm carrying this bottle, you know, or at least a nice suit with a, with a tie, at least a bow tie, even if it's not tied, just around the neck. 
You know, this is like the after dinner scotch. Uh, you're, you're rounding out your evening. And uh, man, for me, you know, you've got the lady in the uh, lingerie um, on one side or the other. <laughs> the scotch on the and other. I don't, I don't think, um, I, mean, I mean, I have tried it, but I think I've been pretty drunk when I've tried it before previously. So. <laughs> Well, again, though, look at this uh, handsome, natural, I think this is actually true to their word, very natural looking canister as well as bottle. That color looks fantastic through the uh, clear glass. Again, I love, my favorite part is that they, they mated this cream colored label with the black writing and this nice matte dark gray metallic foil at the top. I think that it just looks great. It does. It's great packaging, and there's a lot of detail that goes on in the canister there. Uh, the price point on this one, what was it rolling in it? Right around the $100 mark? Um, yeah, since COVID, it's now rolling in around the $100 <laughs> mark. Unless you, go to, <laughs> unless you go to Costco. I think Costco right now has it at like $79. That's not bad at all. No. It's not cheap, but it's not bad at all. So with this, one of the things they do... Uh, a great job with is an actual wood cork top. Um, it does have natural cork as the cork, but that natural wood, again, like it's the devil's in the details. I would agree with that. I didn't see any, any of the uh, kind of effervescence or anything kind of like come up. Oh, I can smell it. Should have a good maritime nose to it, I would think. Yeah, I'm gonna like this already. <laughs> oh, and 14, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll go on to our tasting notes. So, cheers and uh, warp speed. <laughs> Welcome back to <laughs> another hour of Scotch Hour. I am Noah, and I am Jesse. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. Hopefully you had a wonderful week. Um, I do apologize for the last two weeks of not having any episodes up. So um, I did have some technical difficulties with my laptop. Uh, as expected, did not disappoint. I do enjoy it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, the one thing that surprised me about this one as compared to some of the maybe some of the other opens is it didn't have as much of that maritime um, taste or smell to it. Um, you still get some the, on the bouquet, which is pretty, I, I call it a delicate bouquet, uh, but it does have some complexities to it. And I do get like, uh, I do get like a slight hint of the maritime in the, uh, in the bouquet as well as some orange lemon and a hint of peat. Um, and, uh, like I said, it's, uh, it's more like that. Um, I get some in some of the other types of omens that maritime is a lot more prevalent uh this one is a lot more milder and kind of it's there but it's it's more like blended in and delicate and uh i think complements that uh, that citrus of the orange and the lemon I'm, I'm picking up as well now as far as the palate goes <laughs> um i am getting some some nice like uh, cream with toffee um, and with like 
hints of fig and apple and even pear. Like, it took me a while to pick out, like, the apple and pear because I wasn't really sure. I'm like, is that pear or is that apple? Is it pear, apple, pear? I think it's a little bit of both, really, to tell you the truth. And when you're drinking there, uh, like, near the tail end of it, I'm catching some clove. And, uh, wow, it's just uh, has great complexity. And here's where it kind of surprised me. I was expecting to get that sea salt, uh, that maritime or brine right here on the palate. And I didn't really get it on my palate. Um, and it was just, uh, I was really surprised that it was just more of that creamy toffee fig pears and stuff like that, uh, which is really enjoyable. Um, and as far as the finish goes, it's more for me, I get kind of like a malty, damp oak with some spice. And it has a nice finish to it. It's a pretty medium to full body scotch. Um, once again, like this is not one I would go take, you know, just go take to a casual outing. I would probably do more with someone who I think would uh, appreciate it and share it with those uh, with them. And as far as the color, I didn't go into the color, but I mean, look at the color. I'm giving it like a nice medium amber color, and I and I and I like that kind of like darker color, which comes from the from the oak and stuff like that. And I, I'm not quite sure. Did you ever say what what, what it was aged in? Uh, no, I did not. But it is 43% ABV. 43 ABV, and then the the oak. <sighs> Did it say, or did you? Did, I didn't look it up. I didn't look this one up either, and I didn't see where it pointed it out. Okay, well, I'm guessing it's probably some shard oak there with probably some bourbon or or, or the or the rosso sherries because that seems to be pretty typical for most uh, most most Scotch houses. But yeah, great color, um, fantastic palette. The nose delicate but yet complex and. Uh, Nice, good, lingering finish. I do definitely give this one thumbs up, and uh, I'll pass it on to you, sir. Oh, yeah, for me. So one of the first things I really do enjoy is you get some of these nicer scotches, and you look at the way as you uh, watch it fall down the glass. This has got, you can tell, a nice body. It's not running down too quickly. It's nice and thick, if you would. Uh, kind of aids to that creamy, not just taste, but feel in my mouth. Um, with the color for me, this is a dark gold slash light brass. Um, not a ton of the amber in there for me, but definitely a warm and cozy color here. On the nose for me, um, this is one where right away I get that initial hint of the maritime smell. Um, and I think it also is masked almost by that little bit of smoke i don't get a ton of peat but i get a little bit of smoke which is interesting because i actually love peat um i like smoke but in here i think they did a really nice job with that process of the maritime and the smoke right up front um then you get to that piece um on the nose with the toffee and i also get the hints of fruit and um, at first much like yourself i'm like which fruits are this on the nose what's pretty prevalent is a little bit of orange and i'm talking navel orange not something too sweet or too bold but back there um kind of malty uh, if you will uh oh, on the palate oh 
Again, right at the front, much like the nose, I get that smoky maritime um, initial flavor, and then it all transitions to cream. And again, uh, with the, the body of the scotch itself, it is not just tasting creamy, it feels creamy all around the mouth, on the roof, below the tongue, above the tongue, on the sides, um, involving all of the parts of the tongue for the full flavor, and then come out the different fruits. And the first one still is a, a mild or a navel orange to me, and then comes out the pear, uh, and then a hint of apple, um, and man, then the finish, right? We go to uh, that clove and oak. And as you mentioned, this finish to me is long. So you've got this body as you're transitioning through all these different things, uh, smoke and maritime and then creamy toffee, uh, like literally like creamy toffee and then fruit flavors of orange and pear and apple. And then the clove and the oak come out. And I think at the very tail end of this finish, um, as it transitions from clove to oak, it all also revisits that maritime flavor right at the tail end of this finish for me. Uh, it is a delight. Um, I don't know that this is a scotch I'd ever want to smoke a cigar with. I think I want this one just like this because I don't want anything else messing up its flavor, its complexity. complexity. Uh, it's great. It is totally great, and I agree with you. I don't. I wouldn't want to smoke a cigar <laughs> with this one either. <laughs> and like I said, I, wouldn't, I don't think I really want to share it with too many people. Um, Definitely not like, uh, as I always kind of point out to you, like uh, that one Christmas party uh, where the one guy <laughs> took a uh, shot the single malt scotch, and I'm like, uh, you're not supposed to do that, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, for anyone who I who I know would appreciate this, this is definitely a, a great bottle. Yeah, if you like a good malty whiskey, and I think that's one of the you know the key points is they really did emphasize that they take five days fermenting the barley. I feel like they got a quality fermentation in here. The flavor is dynamite. It's time for our shout outs. Shout out, I mean, how do you not, right? Verstappen again and is not quite Honda badged Honda engine uh, dominating yet another race. And even though there were some other mistakes and misfortunes, man, the guy did it. Like Verstappen, cheers, uh, great strategy, whoever might be that person behind the controversy uh, or accolade. Um, great job with another mature drive. Like I think the guy at this point is driving more mature than I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great shout out. I mean, he definitely deserves some props. His lead in the F1 World Championship now. Is it summed up yet? No, <laughs> but it like it's got to be close at this point now, you think. I mean, there's still a chance he could not finish any other races. Crazier things have happened, but uh yeah, he's still got to win or at least finish some more races. Do a restaurant called The Fort. It's uh, up in Morrison, Colorado. Phenomenal food. Um it's uh <laughs> If you get the bison or a lot of the food there, it's it all like on the menu. It just says uh, market price, right? Fair market price. So you know, like if you if you're going up there, you know it's going to be a little bit pricey. Uh, maybe maybe not 
over the end, like over the top pricey, but you're definitely going to spend a little bit of money there. Anyway, their waitress was uh, great. Her name was Marissa. Did a fantastic job. Um, I had the uh, bison filet mignon, um, super good. And then our appetizer was this like uh, sausage plate that had boar sausage and this rattlesnake and jackrabbit sausage with like this incredible like mustard dip. And then I forget what the other dip was, but it was is pretty good. It's a darn good, darn good meal. So that's my first shout out. And I had another shout out, but I totally forgot about. It, so I guess I only have the one. Dude, you mentioning that, and I can we can throw up some pictures if we need to. Reminded me, uh, and I should do this as well. Giving a shout out to Elways because they have their warm appetizer tower that has their it's it's amazing lamb lollipops um, and the green chili queso that you dip them in uh, to die for and then you've got your giant lump crab cakes um on the, the second tier and then the bottom tier is the calamari always amazing um and then uh, you know, if if you haven't had their jumbo shrimp cocktail, uh, at least get a look at it. It comes out; it's a presentation. They use some dry ice, so it's uh, got this fog coming out around the shrimp. Um, definitely heavy on the horseradish, which I appreciated with the cocktail sauce. Um, but that place again, much like the four, as you mentioned, it's been a while since I've been there. Um, but Elways did not disappoint. Dynamite, and again, service. I mean. When you when your service is a ten, everything else is pretty much going to be the same. Exactly. <laughs> oh, and the the other cool part too is that they gave us a uh, free dessert for both of us since we're both celebrating our birthdays. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Um, any uh, get it together for you? Wow, oh, man. Um, this one, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, really, I like the, my first get it together is all the people who are buying. Bed Bath and Beyond stock. <laughs> That's funny uh, you're mentioning that because that was going to be my get it together, but go ahead. So <laughs> you stole mine, man. Yeah, man. man. It's just really, um, you know, no one I have been talking about Bed Bath and Beyond since the price started going up, and the first thing we thought was, why? This, this is not sustainable. What are you guys doing? Um, like, are you really just trying to have a, the next GameStop? Like, even that doesn't make sense. Everything's going digital. A GameStop store doesn't make sense anymore. Um, so now you've got Bed Bath & Beyond, and I think they are, all of their efforts are currently too little too late. And, uh, man, they will end up, in my mind, filing for some form of bankruptcy and maybe making it out. I don't know that they'll even do that. Um, they just haven't stayed competitive in this world, especially as it transitioned out of COVID and then all the other stuff going on with CFOs getting pushed or taking a dive. Who knows? Uh, but, yeah, you know, a lot of um, interesting controversy there. Again, though, when you're buying a stock, what are you buying? Like, I hope you're believing in a company that has a reason to be invested in. And for me, that's what I just didn't understand and still do not understand about anyone who was investing in Bed Bath & Beyond the last three months. Uh, so my uh, get together with uh, Bed Bath & Beyond, um, obviously you, you kind of touched upon this with the uh, CFO, um, either 
choosing to, to do the swan dive or someone pushing him out to do the swan dive. Um, and there is that controversy controversy out there um, where they said that some of the financial statements have been altered and changed, um, which could um, result in like what's going to happen to the uh, price of the stock. Um, but my uh, my true uh, get it together comes uh, goes out to those people who bought the Bed Bath and Beyond stock and now are complaining that they've lost like their nest egg or their parents' nest egg. And uh, it's just amazing. Like people are showing like how they like lost like you know like hundreds of thousands of dollars or you know like seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars. And I'm like, you guys like why did you put all your all your eggs in one basket? First of all, if you want to take the risk and you know. And give it a shot. Give it a shot, but don't ever. And th- and this goes out to anybody. No matter what you're investing, it doesn't matter if it's crypto. Doesn't matter if it's your time. Um, it's a business. Whatever. Don't put more in. Don't don't expose more than what you're willing to give up. Because then, if something doesn't work out, then you can be like, okay, fine, that's it. It, it didn't work out, and you can move along. But don't uh, don't put don't 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 bet everything on it. Yeah. So Your chances would have literally been better on a Caesar's craps table. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> lucky, unlucky snake eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, even with that, don't bet more than you can afford or that you, that you feel comfortable with. Agreed. Restaurant I, you know, the, the first thing that's really tough is we each uh, enjoyed this past weekend a trip to a restaurant that was a 10. <laughs> and then we go to Bojo's expecting, I was expecting like a 7, an 8, probably an 8 is what I was actually expecting. And it was uh, not what I expected at all, it turned out. So, <laughs> Bojo's Pizza, it's a Colorado, it's, uh, the, I would say it's Colorado-style pizza. I think that's originally what it is. Uh, and then you also have a place up uh, in Boulder, Colorado called The Sink. Uh, they also do Colorado-style pizzas. If you're not familiar with it, they actually do pizza by the pound. So, um, and then they have, like, a really, like, it's really a thin kind of crust in the middle with, like, the, the outside crust being super thick. And then after you eat your, most, most of your pie and get to, the, like, the thick part of the crust, you put honey on the crust there, and it's kind of like almost like a dessert piece, if you will. Um, now, I agree with you here. Um, I wasn't. I maybe. I guess it's just this location that we went to here in Lone Tree, but usually Bojo's has like a you know like a restaurant where you actually go in there and you sit down and you have service and you can get like draft beers and stuff like that. But this particular uh, location was just. I said it's a takeout location, and it's a test. Yeah, it's a test location. <laughs> and basically, you go in there, you have to go up to the counter and order your food. And they actually have some tables there where you can sit down and eat your meal there, but there's no servers or anything like that. And um, so you don't have any plates. You don't have, like, any, like, real silverware, nothing. And, um, yeah, uh, as far as, like, the atmosphere or the aesthetics of the place, it's like a four. I mean, it's like going into a pizza place where you just go to order a pizza and wait there, kind of get a Domino's or something. It's kind of like what it feels like when you first mm-hmm. when you go in there. Mm-hmm. The pizza itself, though, I still feel like it was good, not like what I remember it being. Yeah. And I think mostly that's because I think they might have overcooked the crust. 
because usually the crust is a nice golden brown and here they went just a tad above the golden brown and you started seeing some like darks you know like it was like more dark and um but the middle part of the pizza though still tasted pretty good so i'm going to give them a seven and even though they don't have a true weight staff the person that helped us out um I'm not sure what the what the person's name was. I'm not sure if it's a guy or a girl. I wasn't really positive about any of this any of this stuff. I'm not positive about a lot of things in the world nowadays with uh, whole male, female, and that type of <laughs> dichotomy. But any case, if it's he, she, them, whatever they, I don't know, whatever pronouns that, that person chose, they were an awesome server. They're, well, technically not a server, but the employee was great. Uh, they uh, helped us out. They're very attentive. And... Um, and honestly, it looked like they were pretty much the only person that was like really truly working there at that location. And I saw like basically seven other employees not doing anything really, almost doing nothing. Um, so the service or non-service, whatever you want to call it, um, <laughs> I would give it a probably a seven. Um, I would not go there to take a date because it's obviously not a restaurant. But um, if you want to just go there, grab a like a small pie or something like that, and chit chat. Um, sure, you could do that. I guess with uh, with someone, um, with a friend, or even if you, I guess you want to go there with a like a date or a super, like a super casual date. I wouldn't go there to try and impress anybody. Um, so overall, I'm going to give it like a six, uh, just because I thought the food was good. The person who helped us. I thought it was awesome. And uh, but the actual aesthetics of the place, I'm you know kind of low, so I'm you know six, six, six point five, maybe whatever, right around there. Um, but yeah, I guess that's where. Oh, I don't even remember the name. Of, uh, what was the name of our pizza pie? We had the motherload. Motherload. There you go. Okay, so I might as well. I'm tossing it over to you. <laughs> All right, for me, walking up to Bojo's. Um, at first, it's a teen little place. Hot women, though, going to the, the restaurant next door, though. The barbecue joint. Yeah. yeah, we went to the wrong restaurant. We realized that afterwards. But uh, we walked up to Bojo's, and it's not impressive on the outside. Then you walk in, and it's even less impressive. Um, for me, like this would be the equivalent of a woman going to a guy's house who's trying to impress her, and uh, he lives an extravagant, bougie lifestyle, and then she walks up to uh, a shed in some guy's backyard. That's the exterior of this place, and then she goes <laughs> in, and there's one of those like kitty plastic tables and some paper plates. And that's not really that far off. You can even <laughs> go with the kitty wooden table and chairs. That's basically what this is, but the adult size. And then he's like, and what did you want to eat? Here's your choice. Come over here and order. And the real frustrating part was I got frustrated with myself. I'm an idiot. First of all, we eat, we buy the by the pound. We got the three pound mother load. So you got all these different meats, salami, Italian sausages, meatballs, um, you know, just Lots of meats, three pounds of meats and cheese and a little bit of sauce on uh, a dough or a crust that was for us overcooked. Um, and then I tipped the guy or the the person who took the order 20% for taking my order. And I'm like, wait a minute, what the hell did I just do? What am I tipping these people for? <laughs> they don't bring it out to you. you. They call your name when it's ready in its box. As you mentioned, there is no silverware, no stemware. Um, fortunately, they'd have uh, about a half a dozen selections of beers you could choose. Um, but it was really something that was not impressive. 
Um, it was a huge disappointment because the other Bojo's uh, amazing, but you also have service. You have a great environment. Um, um, but it looks great from the outside and great on the inside. Fantastic. Um, so for me, overall, the aesthetics of the places is like a four. <laughs> it's rough because you actually, I think you're not far off. Like to me, the inside of a Taco Bell is more appealing. <laughs> it, probably it, it really is at least there's some color there's some purple there's a bell and here it was literally plain with some wooden tables and um at least yeah. they had a tv with the it was college football playing uh, yeah see i wasn't watching any of that i was just like in shock looking at the people in there who i think a lot of them were also somewhat surprised um but i think this is also one of the trends i think this is a, a pretty common trend if we'd been able to eat outside <laughs> that would have been great. However, as we know, bees are attracted to honey. So all this honey um, being used on the crusts of the pizza was attracting bees. We attempted to go sit at a table, and after seeing several swarm around, we're like, yeah, we're going to sit inside. I don't want that on my meat. So uh, we'll move that in another direction. But overall, the service... The person who did take the order and ultimately called out the name uh, was great. Like they were working their tail off. Now it's again, it's really tough though because it's that service. That's where I struggled. Like, do we tip the person at Seven Eleven who we buy the five dollar pizza from? No, no. Now we're buying a thirty six dollar pizza and we're tipping them eight dollars. What? I think I messed up. Like, I really felt like the fool afterwards. I'm like, I don't tip the person at 7-Eleven. Why did I tip this person for a pizza that's literally eight times as expensive? <laughs> Who's the bigger fool? You who did that or the other fool who saw you do that and then did the same thing? I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I really regretted it because I, that was not value. There was nothing there. Like, not even, let me get your drink for you. The drinks are there and the bottle opener is there. So I, well, the... <laughs> The person did uh, start like they did walk over to hand us our pizza. So, but I think in general you you have to go get your own pizza. Yeah. So um, with that, for me, the pizza wasn't bad, but it also wasn't good. I felt like the top of it was overcooked um, to the point where even some of the meatballs and Italian sausage pieces were a little crusty on the top. Um, not burned, just not soft like I wanted a meatball or a chunk of Italian sausage. Um, the quality of products that are going into it, I would say, are probably pretty high. Like It tasted like it had quality of products in it. It's just that the crust was overcooked. Um, it didn't have that really really good uh, doughy flavor that I'm used to in the past. I, I missed it because that's it, what goes with the honey. Isn't it like a honey dough though? Well, I thought it was a honey wheat dough. Yeah. And this didn't taste like honey or wheat. No, it I tasted think, like white crust. I think it, it didn't <laughs> taste right because it was overcooked. I mean, there was like one or two bites where I got I'm like, okay, that's, that's what I remember, but not... It's like when you get the Italian loaf and you peel off the outside and you eat the center. That's, that's the piece you got. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so overall, though, like it was a good experience because it's really eye-opening. I'm glad we went because uh, it's really eye-opening that that, that that is a continued trend. Now, had I expected that, it would have been a whole different experience. But because I wasn't expecting that, um, again, the service, like there wasn't service. There really wasn't service. Um, the environment was not appealing. Would I want to take a date there? Absolutely not. There's five other restaurants or four other restaurants right in the same parking lot. Each one of them appeared more appealing. Um, so in the future, probably going to be the barbecue chicken place. Don't know why. I'm just feeling I'm going to fall. Lululemon's why. That's why. <laughs> 
And uh, it actually was this huge place, too. It was like four times the size of the Bojo's. Um, in Idaho Springs, the Bojo's is huge. It has multiple floors. It looks cool. It is cool. And with that uh, overall, like my overall rating is a, is a five. The food, honestly, had it not been overcooked, probably would have been higher. Uh, but the food for me was a six. And, you know, you can throw in service. If the service was really service, it probably would have been a six to a seven. Overall, though, um, <coughs> yeah, it was uh, not great. So this week's smart challenge was to watch Gat Gattaca. Gattaca. Um, and the uh, director of that movie was Andrew Nicole. Mm-hmm. And um. To his credit, he has some interesting movies that he's directed other than Gattaca. He does. Which is uh, uh, Simone. Um, and if you've never seen that movie, that one's kind of weird. I think, I'm not is is, is it a digital chick with... Uh, yeah. That is, is it with... Um, is it Al Pacino? I think it is Al Pacino, yeah. All right. And then uh, uh, Lord of War, which I do love that movie. That's the one with Nick Cage. Yeah. That's <laughs> Nick Cage where he's like a gun smuggler. And then we have In Time, which is another great movie. I think In Time really kind of closely uh, correlates here with uh, Gattaca out of all the other movies. He did the, the movie The Host, um, which is uh, the author of that book of The Host is the same author that did uh, the Twilight series. Uh, and then there's Good Kill, which I haven't seen that movie, and then Anon. I haven't seen that movie either. But um, with Gattaca, I figure a good way to kind of approach it. I mean, for those of you guys who haven't seen it, um, spoiler alert, I guess. We're going to talk about some some parts about here, uh, parts of the movie. And it's with Ethan Hawke, and the uh, female star is Uma Thurman. Now, I'm, I'm, I, you and I discussed this at dinner. I'm going to bring it up here real quick. 1997, Uma Thurman. 1997, <laughs> Uma Thurman. And I think back then, she was, a, she, was a, she was definitely a hottie. You know, another thing is that I, I considered is Ethan Hawke is not a small guy. No. And she's not a, a short lady. And with that, I think that probably aided the visual aesthetic of uh, her presence because she wasn't with some guy that's the same height. Right. So yeah, she definitely looked way way better than I remembered in that movie. Yeah, for sure. Definitely more attractive than she was in Kill Bill. I would say so, yes, definitely. So the premise of the movie Gattaca is that <clears throat> there's really two different parts of society anymore. Um, you have those who have been uh, genetically modified before birth. Um, and then, uh, so they have like... Um, I guess it's like uh, the one guy, I guess, at the beginning, he talks about it's taking the best parts of each of you, of, it, of each of the parents, and uh, putting together a human. And then, uh, then you have like the, uh, what they call, is it, is it called God's children? Um, or something like that. That's the ones that are naturally born. But it creates a society of the, of the haves and have-nots, if you will. Like basically, if you're genetically modified um, before, I guess, like you're before an embryo and stuff like that. Uh, those people will have the better types of jobs or better situations in life versus those who are naturally born, um, which will end up having kind of like the janitor type jobs, as you see in the movie. And then, you know, obviously, because humans are humans, not everyone does perform the way that they should perform. 
And then they have uh, something that's called, what is it? Something, something ladder. Up ladder or down. Climbing ladder. Anyways, it's basically where one of these people who are naturally born uses the identity of one of these um, DNA-adjusted people uh, to, uh, to like, basically um, move up into the parts of society that they're not supposed to be in. And then, uh, so that's basically the premise of the movie. And I think here, what we'll talk about, if if we if you will, is uh, the morals and ethics of DNA splicing um, of humans, and should it occur? The first piece here, I think that is interesting to me is some of the the terminology. And first of all, like. like Two thumbs up. Great job. You mentioned Andrew Nicole, uh, the writer and director of this movie. It's his first feature, and he did a great job, a very mature movie. It didn't necessarily do stellar in the box office, but I don't know that anyone was looking for this sort of um, film. And it is a very uh, moral film. I think when you think about Simone and some of these other movies in one way or another, what Nicole's looking for here is us to question morality, which is perfect transition from uh, the movie to reality because in the movie itself you mentioned as as they're ascending the ladder um, there are valids and these are the ones who are always at least in this show uh, the valids are all the ones who have been genetically altered enhanced spliced Um, you mentioned taking the best parts of both and really what it is is eliminating the chance for one of the negatives to roll in Um, and then there's the others the invalids these are typically the non-genetically well they're the non-genetically enhanced individuals but where the question comes in is you've got these two brothers so Ethan Hawke plays Vincent Freeman, his brother, um, is genetically enhanced after he's born because his parents get this news from the doctors. Well, uh, most likely um, Vincent will live to 30.2 years old. He's going to have some heart problems. He's going to have some other uh, medical problems, biological problems. And so they don't want to risk that. All of a sudden they're looking at, we might outlive our child. So they get another one who is enhanced, who is spliced, who is the best parts of each of them. And throughout life, then you see a very quick transition of, okay, so one brother is absolutely favored one brother is taller is a little bit larger in stature um and the other the 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 all-natural version is not uh in the movie they use swimming which is really interesting because then the guy who gives this dna to vincent or ethan hawk is an old swimmer an olympic swimmer who was crippled from an automobile accident um with that piece though you see two brothers who constantly battle out and they decide to swim um the deal is you have to swim until you're halfway there and then you have to swim back um so you never swim harder than you can to spend more than half your energy before you stop and you either win or you lose this race this water um swimming contest Uh, and time after time after time anton uh, is the winner Um, and then all of a sudden once Vincent wins the race. Uh, He wins the competition to the point where he shocks Anton. Anton's exhausted, and Vincent has to swim him back and save his life. Then Vincent falls off the planet, um, decides he's going to go adapt, becomes uh, a 
uses uh, another's DNA to climb or ascend the ladder um, and get this position because his dream is to go to space and he has no shot in hell of ever going to space and be part of this program unless he's one of the valids. So already they can't, they can't genetically discriminate, but already, like honestly, where is that or is that not coming in? Um, so I think that's the, the first real key there is he was absolutely discriminated against given this low life job, not given these other chances when ultimately he shows that he could swim um, just as hard or as fast as someone who had been uh, valid um, and, and win the race. So um, the discrimination is the first piece that I really find fascinating because it's every day, everywhere in every every aspect of life right so moral so here going back to the question of whether or not it's moral or ethical do you think it it was morally or ethically correct to basically create these enhanced humans see i have no problem with that what i have a problem with is that you immediately assume that they are superior and that the natural humans are inferior I think uh, I think it, it it does happen in the society here because I what I think what occurs is that yeah if you start eliminating stuff like alcoholism, um, chances of heart attack or whatever um, whatever like uh, celiac disease or what have you, right? And you and you're able to uh, use Casper Cas9, which is the current technology that uh, they can use to alter DNA in humans and mosquitoes and things like that currently. Um, it seems like it, it is a good thing to do, right? I mean, who would not want to have their child to be better off than what they were themselves? And who wouldn't want to have the best of them in their child, right? Um, so in that case, you know, if you're looking at it from that point of view, it seems like it would be a good and moral thing and probably maybe even somewhat ethical to do. However, there's always, with every, with every advancement <laughs> in society. With somebody else playing God. <laughs> with someone else playing God. There is always a, a, a dark and evil underbelly. And in this case, because you have people who start, like, getting these enhanced children, now these enhanced children are going to, like, live longer. They're going to be healthier. There's uh, supposedly a better chance of them um, performing to their expectations versus the ones who are naturally born. So even if you weren't trying to create a society that discriminated between the naturally born versus those who were DNA created, it's naturally going to go towards that route. And then this is where, I guess, like, I, you know, in the beginning part, I agree with you. I don't really see, like, how that would really necessarily be a, a bad thing morally or ethically. But then if you, but that's only if you're looking at it, like, right in the, like, short term. Long term, though, you have to start thinking about, like, what does that really do to society? Well, and, according and to all of the... Uh livers in Cal california there isn't going to be a society so it won't matter <laughs> global warming is going to end us all in the next 40 years <laughs> um and, and really is it really ethical to to really like change a person's dna see again you're creating a person so here's where it can also get tricky for example uh when a female or a male chooses a mate 
do they go after the best DNA or the worst DNA? As a sci- science or when you break it down, they try to go after the best DNA. Right. So all we're doing is using the best brains to better that, to take it to the next level. So it already happens naturally. I think that uh, there are going to be those playing with God. Ultimately, what it does, though, is it eliminates the average because ultimately, if you have the choice, almost everyone's going to do it. I can see almost, I think, I think the mass majority probably would go that way. I think without knowing or realizing what the consequences will be down uh, downstream, because even here in the movie, it doesn't really address it in the movie. But when you start playing God like that, no one really knows exactly what will end up happening long term down down the lane. So, like right now, you still have people who are being naturally born, and you still have people who are uh, genetically modified, probably in their, like the mid thirties and or something like the forties or something like that. But what happens in a generation or two? at that point like what is it like does it get to a point to where uh humans are no longer going to be human i think ultimately they are still human and i think ultimately the other piece is it's no different than the saying tough times make tough men but are you making tough but are you making are you making tough men now what i'm saying is you're making men that ultimately make an easy time and make weak of themselves so they will become inadequate I think so, and here's the so going along with this whole morality thing, right, or or ethical part of it. If you are having, are these are these children products of a company, because you're going to a company to, to DNA splice them, and if it is, is it a product? And if the if the product becomes defunct, like if the if your child is not performing to what you think the child should perform to, can you turn that child in? No, man, still stuck with them. <laughs> Still stuck with you signed a waiver. You know they have waivers on all that stuff. <laughs> and well, could the could the company call those people call those kids back? See, same difference. This is where your DNA was the only DNA theoretically pushed into this kid between the two, um, and then it's still your biological DNA property. Well, that's the thing here. If you start looking at it, so here's a really great like um, I don't know if you can even find it on the internet anymore. Um, but uh, there's a radio show called uh, Ground Zero. And uh, the host there talks about 23andMe. It's called Night, uh, Nightmare 23andMe or something like that. But he talks about um, who really does own your DNA. And the funny part is, is that if you start looking at the legalities of it, you really don't own your DNA. Your DNA, like once, once, the, once, once the DNA gets pulled out of your body, it's no longer yours. And there's the there's a Henrietta Lacks is a uh, a great case study for that. Her uh, her cells or her uh, she had like a like her cells wouldn't die for some whatever reason. And um, when they pulled her her uh, her fluids out of her body or whatever, she died or whatever. And John Hopkins University kept her cells alive and started like using it to help like help other people. And um, so it just became a huge court case with her, with like her family and, and John Hopkins and stuff. And so this, this is, you know, brings in the case, like it, it, once the DNA leaves your body, is it really your DNA? And if it's not your DNA, which it should be your DNA, if you ask me, then it, it kind of, you're starting, to, you're starting to go into the whole moral and, and ethical realms. I absolutely agree with that. It should be your DNA. Otherwise you are in essence owned and a slave. Exactly. And so this also brings up the whole Lulu and Nana. 
um, the Chinese have actually already used Cas9 to create um, DNA spliced um, twins. And um, the question here is that the, the company that the scientist works for lays claim to these children. Um, and then, so the question is, are they actually humans and therefore they deserve human rights and not to be uh, tested on like lab rats? Or are they truly property of the company? I mean, they should be free to go, but they're also in China. <laughs> I don't know that anyone in China is free. <laughs> I don't know if anyone in China is free either. But <laughs> I mean, but just looking at it like a corporation, let's just say it could have been like any corporation. You know, I mean, that didn't necessarily have to be China. But if a corporation did create these children, do you think they're just going to like DNA splice them and also like, all right, you can go free. You're alive. Probably not. Yeah, nah. So I and I think a lot of this kind of kind of like is shown here on Gattaca, and yeah, well, I think one really has to kind of consider at what point is it like is it a good idea versus like even though we can do something, should we really do it? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's tricky, but the, yeah, everyone's going to have their own code. We've talked about codes and morality and morals. Um, and with that, uh, as long as you don't uh, press to own any creation that is of living matter, then I think uh, it's uh, in good faith for science. The, the, the real problem is that there are those that will use it and abuse it and also abuse those beings and animals. I, I agree with that, and I don't know. I, I'm not really sure where I fall on the lines of, of, of that. Like, um, yeah, they might have human DNA, but if they're created um, and DNA spliced, does that actually, you know, if it, the idea of, like, creating, like, these superhumans seems like a good idea, but at the same time, just like I said, just because we can do something doesn't, does not necessarily mean we should do it because I'm not sure what the long-term effects will be, whether it be a good or bad for society. Ultimately, it's a bad because they'll get outnumbered. Because one of the truths is you can't have too many great people or no one is great anymore. Everyone becomes average again. So that's the whole thing. If everyone's superhuman, everyone's average. Um, it's no different than the Spartans who were a, a group that only kept the greatest of their kind. And what happened at the end of the day, uh, they limited their numbers because of that. So they went to battle and they failed because there were nations that did not limit any of those, uh, those imperfections. And those imperfect people were the ones who brought down the Spartans. Science is actually uh, much about nature. You can uh, look at a little locust and it seems so simple and innocent. Yes, we can absolutely smash it. We can do any number of things. We can kill that thing. Guess what? They outnumber us to such a great extent that they go around killing entire crops and there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> so I, I think from here, we, I mean, not that we're going to go in, into this direction, but one could dive into eugenics and seeing whether or not eugenics is something that – should be thought about and done because if you're starting to create superhumans, if you will, by using Cas9, uh, CRISPR Cas9 to DNA alter people, then you're calling, you're basically creating a two, two, two groups, the valids and your invalids, if you will, if we're comparing it to the, to the movie and the invalids are never going to like, 
then the invalids will be discriminated against. Truly. And um, I kind of forgot where I was going to go with my thought process here, but <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, I, I think we we have the separation. I think we started to get kind of a hint of it already um, when we look at what happened with vaccines uh, recently here in the last couple of years. Um, you started seeing people like supposedly having to carry around like vaccine cards and stuff like that. There, so if you had the vaccine card, you're allowed to go to you're allowed to go do stuff. If you didn't have the vaccine card, you were not allowed to go do stuff. And it started almost to create that same type of uh, differential in society. Um, where you had valids versus invalids. It's absolutely what it did. It's not a sort of. It was absolutely 100%. It invalidated also, which I think is great because uh, it really just emphasized a word that already exists, which is invalid. Invalid, invalid. Um, usually, though, an invalid has no use of any of their appendages. In this case, it didn't matter if they had appendages. They were still not valid. Invalid. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. My life was invalid to experience life based on what governments around the world said was okay. And is, in my mind, absolutely not. But it was no different. No different than that movie. Yeah, that's I and, agree. And here's the funny part is like it like the these mRNAs actually do alter your DNA and now they're finding like now they're starting to damage people. Well, you never know. Uh I think we kinda can I think we can pretty much connect the dots here. Uh when you're starting to look at how many people are starting to become ill versus after they receive a vaccine shot versus those who, who did not. Um, I think you can start seeing that, like start connecting the dots, but yet the the people who refuse the vaccines are still the ones who are still, even to this day, kind of like looked down upon. Dude, I can tell you right now, people who I know who didn't get the vaccine versus people I know who did get the vaccine, 10 to 1 people who got the vaccine missed more work <laughs> because of COVID than the people who didn't get the vaccine. That's just like, wait, what's wrong with this picture? What's happening here? What's going on? <laughs> Speaks to itself. So uh, right now, I, I think if we were if if we were to go down that society that road of society with Gattaca, um, I think the technology with Cas Nine right now is still too new to where we don't know what the effects will be uh, one, two, three, four generations down the line. So to go ahead and start creating these. DNA altered people, even with these M M mRNA shots, um, how they alter DNA. Um, we don't even know how that's going to affect the populace, even if they started to mate with those who were unvaccinated. Um, and I think we're not going to probably see some of the damages probably for another maybe like five to ten years from now. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I mean, that's just it. It's a test of time. You start. They've already started playing God when they came out with vaccines, whether it's the polio vaccine or any number of vaccines, measles, mumps, and, or rubella. Um, all those were jumps in playing God and deciding who can and can't live. And uh, the COVID vaccines are no different. And they've already started playing God. So at that point, the government's doing it. Like, they're not going to stop this technology. They want it in case there ever is a, a non-nuclear World War Three. We want the best peeps. <laughs> Uh, anything else you want to add on about Gattaca? No, I, I, I you know, uh, with the spoiler alerts and the things that I love about this movie and what was done um, is that 
Andrew Nicole really emphasized at the end of the day that the non, I'm going to use this term, mutated human, Ethan Hawke as Vincent, uh, was ultimately the successor, the winner, the victor, not only in the first swimming contest that did changed both of their lives, him and his brothers, but in a repeat one further on in life. Um, and what you see is there are different pieces where people are resilient or persistent tenacious who will not give up and that was vincent ethan hawk's character uh, whom ethan hawk played brilliantly uh, and at the end when he beats his brother a second time uh, his brother who ends up becoming a police officer finds out vincent is in this role pretending to be a valid not the true invalid that he is um tells him he needs to stop and Vincent says I'll stop if you can beat me at another swim and they go and swim and at the end the same thing happens Vincent wins and has to save his brother again because and one of the things that happened was Vincent told his brother the reason I won that day was because I didn't plan on saving half of my energy for the way back I gave 100% until I won and then his brother lost. And why is that? You don't know 100%. You don't know 50%. You can't save half your energy. It's a matter of, are you going to give 100%? At the end of the day, it is really, truly that simple. And he was the one of the two that was. He was the non-valid, the invalid. The valid one was the one who lost. And I think that's the long game is they do lose because they immediately assume they're better. They can't imagine losing. And then somebody gives a little more heart and is a winner, is a, is a victor. So I, I I agree with you. I think that's a great scene, that swim scene. I I, I remember it slightly bit different uh, from from me watching it the other night. But the way I see it was uh, they didn't like. He talks about like how every every like every stroke he knew in the back of his mind that'd be one extra stroke that he would need to have to go back. Um, it wasn't to see. It was basically from what I remember it was it was a race to see how far they would go before one person gives up. Right. It was, it was a chicken, not like go go out and come back. It was just to see how far someone would give up. And you're right. He did say um, the reason why I won is because I didn't save any any energy to go back. Like, cause, And I think this is very important for, for those people who are, are trying to succeed in life. Uh, I think too often um, when we look at risk, right, with every um, great reward comes a great risk. And if we are going to put ourselves out there, um, you have to put yourself out there without having like a, a safety net. Really, you have to go all out. It's uh, basically like all, all or nothing. I think that's what he was talking about there, because he's like, when once he knew that he could beat his brother, because he he's like he had no plan of swimming back. His plan was, I'm going to swim as far as I can, or I die and I lose, and and that and that's basically it. Like he 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 knew like basically his life was kind of over anyways because no one everyone all, all treated him like he was second class citizen anyways so once he figured out he could do that that opened up all the doors for him and i think this is that plays a very important role in life altogether um if you can whatever you whatever you set your goal to do whether it's build a business or uh maybe be a parent or whatever it is go out there and Lay, lay everything out on the table without risk everything to know that you're you're putting like you, what you mentioned a full 100 percent in because you can't give 101 because there's i mean the one exception being when buying bed bath and beyond stock 
<laughs> yeah, if you're buying stock. Dude, how many people took out loans to buy stock and then lost it? If you're buying stock, make sure you don't do more than don't, don't, don't buy more than you can risk. Don't blow your whole load. Or, or if you're betting. If you're better, don't do that either. But in general, if you I think if you're kind of betting on yourself as far as like trying to achieve something in life, I would say that's a good that is a good lesson there. Uh, and I think the other, I think another great part there is when um, Uma Thurman is talking about like the differences between him and uh, and her, and she's like, "Oh, I got these flaws," and he's like, "Oh, the wind took it away. I don't care about your flaws. I care about you as a person." And then I don't think she really realized it until she thought about how he risked risked his life to cross a highway when he couldn't see. And then she realized, like, this guy ran across the highway, couldn't see because he loves me. And then, and then, so she was like the same way, like, I don't care about your imperfections. I thought that was also a good, a good note there. It is. I, I think that's the trick, though, is that in real life, imperfections are what make people great. Because when they overcome those with a different quality, that's something that no perfect person can ever achieve. Exactly. All right. Unless you have anything else, um, what is uh, on the docket for next week? All right. Next week, we're going to watch all eight seasons of the Vampire Diaries. Fuck no. <laughs> I couldn't get that done. Just, just kidding. I recently went on my own Vampire Diaries. Besides, uh, is it even on Netflix free. anymore? No, man, it's gone. <laughs> With my daughter, Mila Mila, thank you for enduring eight seasons of Vampire Diaries and watching so many of them, 34 and uh, one weekend with me. Uh, really cherish and appreciate that time. On the next episode of Scotch Hour, we're going to do the Aaron Scotch Robert Burns single malt scotch whiskey um, and uh, we'll see how this one turns out uh, and for our smarter challenge well I think I'm going to have to go with we're going to see the movie The Invitation I may need to go see it again and do a movie review on that all right, I'm probably going to have to go see that movie again because I didn't, like, study it as I was watching it. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> going to go tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, now I got to go see a movie. <laughs> Life is tough. Life is great. Life is great. Remember to drink responsibly. Uh, hopefully you're having half as much fun as we are because if you're having this much fun, it's almost too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to say to them? No, thanks for watching. Please make sure you give us some feedback. Like, share, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. <laughs> Create a couple new accounts. Subscribe with those <laughs> two. I don't care what you got to do. And then like. And then remember, we do rent out. We have rented out movie theaters invited patrons. So make sure you do uh, uh, like, share, subscribe. Send us some feedback so you can get on that list of people who might be invited to our future movie show. Showings. All right. Uh, as Jesse said, please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast. For those of you who uh, do watch us, what did you think about Gattaca if you've seen the movie? And uh, what do you think about the morals or ethics of uh, of creating these uh, DNA spliced humans to eliminate the, kind of the negative, the, the downsides of being human, I guess, <laughs> uh, versus like uh, naturally born humans? 
Is it something that we should do? Something that we shouldn't do? Um, how do you fall on uh, fall on that kind of line there? Uh, for those of you who watch us on YouTube and Rumble, thank you again for watching us. For those of you who listen on any one of our multiple audio platforms, thank you for listening to us. And for those of you in Japan who uh, actually have been recently pretty uh, big into downloading our our audios, thank you for all those of you in Japan who are listening to us. We greatly appreciate that as well. Um, and with that, uh, oh, if you want to become a patron in the in the uh, descriptions down below, the very first thing in the description, you'll see uh, Podbean patron link there. You become a patron member for a minimum of a dollar. And um, once again, thank you guys. Every, uh, thank you, everyone. Hopefully, you have a great week. And Scotchman. Cheers. I think we screwed that one up a little bit. I don't know. Maybe my nine and nine were wrong. Do it again. We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a patron member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.